there's a lot to get to today, but let's get George Santos out of the way first, because it looks like this week kicked off uh, with the first in hopefully a long line of political consequences for George Santos after weeks of humiliation, potential legal troubles, and continued fabrications. He is formally stepping down from his role on numerous House committees. Just temporarily, of course. Presumably long enough for everyone to forget his various transgressions and to stop calling for him to resign amidst multiple bizarre lies and potential forgeries, some of which have led to actual criminal investigations. Yeah, so what a first month of the year has been for Congressman Mr. George Santos, going from obscurity to infamy within just a few short weeks. Mm-hmm. Happy February, by the way. Yeah, we, we made it in what was maybe the longest January ever, especially for George Santos. Yeah, and now he's got the shortest month of the year, so time should just fly by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the New York Times with more on this latest development. Representative George Santos told his colleagues on Tuesday morning that he would temporarily recuse himself from sitting on his congressional committees. Mr. Santos, who since being elected in November has admitted to fabricating parts of his resume and is is under scrutiny for what appears to have been a years-long pattern of deception, was named this month to serve on the committees on small business (laughs) and on science, space, and technology. His decision to step down from his committees came after he met privately with Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Monday night. Mr. McCarthy told reporters on Tuesday that Mr. Santos had brought up the idea and that it was an appropriate decision. For now. Until he could clear everything up. (laughs) He just felt like there was so much drama, really, over the situation. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, explained after a GOP conference meeting, calling the decision pretty bold. This is insane. He's actually a hero. Yeah, that's what they're trying to imply. He's so brave. He's falling on the knife uh, by sacrificing his uh, upward trajectory in the party that they just gave him a week ago. After multiple uh, reports of his fabrications, uh, some, again, bizarre, some potentially criminal, and and they're just like, wow, pretty cool of him to step down, yeah, right? What a what a good guy. Who who put him in those committees? Of uh, by the way, small business and then space and science. Who did that? Oh, you did. And then he came up with this idea to step down all on his own. Yes, that makes sense. And those it are is two hilarious committees for him to be on too. Like the space and science one is just like a complete non sequitur. Yeah. Like, what the fuck does this guy know about any of that shit? And then the small business one is like, this man has almost certainly committed like multiple small business scams. Well, that's the thing is you got to get someone in there that knows <laughs> when scams are happening by committing their own in order yeah. to. He does know the, the system inside and out. He knows where the holes need to be patched, but he's going to keep that to himself because this man, he's going to need to get back into business after this all inevitably falls apart because he's got, what, 75% of his Okay, his uh, his district is like, no, get out, get the fuck out. And his his own party is telling him to resign. And yeah. yeah, it's it's just very rich for them to give him the position and then say that he came up with it on his own to step down from these newly assigned positions. What a cool guy. Yeah, pretty cool. Does anyone out there watching this feel bad for him yet? No. Yeah, we we totally thought this literal theater of punishment would buy him some sympathy, but it does appear as though people still want consequences for his more dubious actions. Uh, like potential campaign finance fraud, of course. Yeah. But let's switch gears from the chaos in D.C. to uh, whatever the hell is happening at the Dallas Zoo, because there have been numerous odd and sometimes violent incidents taking place there uh, in just the past month, all of which remain unsolved. Principal Chalmers pointing at the door. The yes. door is the, the Dallas Zoo. Yeah. What the hell is going on? What in is there? going on in there? First, uh, a leopard escaped after someone cut open its enclosure. A second enclosure was found to be cut open after that. 
Then a 35-year-old vulture was found dead from what appeared to be a, quote, unusual wound. What? Now someone has allegedly kidnapped two monkeys. And all of this has taken place at one zoo in Dallas, Texas, in less than a month. Something is afoot. Something strange is happening down in Dallas. Yes, this is the weirdest and worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah, the most uh, (laughs) mysterious thing to ever occur in the city of Dallas, Uh for sure. Yes. Uh, Here's the Dallas Morning News. An unprecedented string of events at the Dallas Zoo, including missing animals, torn enclosures, and an unusual death, has garnered national attention over the past few weeks. Due to the ongoing investigation, officials have been limited in what they can release publicly, and that, in addition to speculation ensuing on social media, has evoked more questions than answers. And the article goes into the specifics surrounding each event, uh, starting with the leopard. A four-year-old clouded leopard named Nova had a day of social media fame on January 13th when the zoo announced she had escaped from her enclosure. After an hours-long search that involved infrared drones, a code blue, and Dallas police's SWAT team, oh no, she was found on site. The zoo said Nova got out through a cut in the mesh surrounding her habitat, and police opened a criminal investigation stating it was intentional. The day after Nova escaped, officials revealed a similar cut was found on the Langer Monkeys enclosure. Regarding the potential murder of a beautiful, bald-headed vulture, about a week after the habitat vandalism, a 35-year-old endangered vulture was found dead, and zoo staff quickly deemed the cause unusual. The bird, named Pin, was one of four lappet-faced vultures at the zoo. He had been at the Dallas Zoo for 33 years. He was one day from retirement. Um, uh, At first, officials only said that Pin's death did not appear to be from natural causes, but after the zoo's veterinary team conducted a necropsy, or an animal autopsy, they revealed the bird was found with a wound. Officials have declined to expand on their findings, citing the ongoing investigation. Which leads us to the latest incident, a zoo heist. Yeah, less than two weeks after Pin was found dead, police and zoo officials said they believe two emperor tamarind monkeys were taken from their enclosure. Zoo spokeswoman Carrie Stryber said when staff discovered they were missing, it was immediately clear that the habitat had been intentionally compromised. According to police, the habitat had been cut. Stryber said since the monkeys, which are expected to stay close to home, were still unaccounted for after an hours long search, police have reason to believe the tamarinds were taken. Get Liam Neeson on the phone. Yes. Hudson, the zoo president and CEO, previously called the incidents totally unprecedented and disturbing, adding he has never seen anything like this in his decades-long career working at zoos. This is very strange. It it is odd. Who kills a vulture? They're cool animals. I love vultures. Yeah. Nature's ugliest, weirdest bird. It's, uh, but it fulfills a a very necessary role in the, uh, the ecosystem. Vultures have evolved completely independently in two hemispheres of the world. Wow. Those are, they each found their way independently to the same weird, ugly, bald-headed, eaten dead animals role. Yeah. They're very important. They are. And they deserve respect. And sometimes they harass homeowners uh, in and around California. Florida. Oh, the, what you're talking about is condors. Well, are those are sort of vultures, right? They're sort just of. gigantic. Uh, yeah. And you can't do anything about it because there's only like 30 of them in the wild. And um, it is a... Very serious crime to let them eat, harass them, or hurt them in any way. But yeah, honestly, it is uh, pretty strange that these incidents at this zoo keep escalating, especially to levels of kidnapping and killing, which would indicate that this isn't the the work of some animal rights group. Like, yeah, I guess they wouldn't kill a vulture. Yeah, I would. You know, cutting open uh, an enclosure. It's like maybe it's animal rights people. I don't know. 
but uh, it might just be someone attempting to sell exotic animals or someone just doing a goof. Well, some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, I mean, it, it could just be also the dumbest possible answer, which is someone thought the animals were cool looking and wanted to have them as a pet. Yeah, that seems to be like the usual. People are really stupid about wild animals. Yeah. Yeah, they fall in love, as, as we've reported on before. Like, remember that lady that went and just visited the gorilla every day till she was told to leave? Yeah, it's not good. No. But either way, this is, it's, all of this is strange because you would assume that zoos are, by their very nature, extremely secure. Yeah, how are their, whoever's doing this knows where the cameras are and are not, mm. which is interesting. And, and this isn't like, you know, a random zoo in this Florida. Is reptile world off the or, I-40. Or Gatorland or <laughs> yeah. something like that. This is the Dallas Zoo. Right. You would assume that they would have uh, some security in place, and, and they do. It's just ineffective so far. Uh. As we said, all of these cases remain unsolved, and they appear to be escalating to the point where they've begun restricting the free movement of some of the animals during certain hours. From the article, before the string of incidents began, the zoo already had more than 100 on-site cameras to monitor the public, staff, and animals. The zoo has since increased camera coverage, including solar tower units from Dallas police. Overnight security and staff presence has doubled, and in some cases, the zoo has limited animals' ability to roam in the outdoor areas of their enclosures overnight. Why don't you just stick an air tag on all these animals? Beep, bop, boop. Yeah. You would assume that this would have been... Ha they do tag animals, but I don't know if all of them have radar tracking or whatever. It's a little air tag. I know that they do that to, like, uh, sharks and whales. They just stab them in the back and, like, yeah. it's fine. We know where he is They don't now. feel it. But they're doing it for scientists. They're monitoring... It's for science. The, uh, it's all yeah. right. The movements of these animals yes. uh, and how it's affected by climate change and where they feed. So, there you go. Anyway, over here in Los Angeles, one of our recent local mysteries has actually finally been solved. Mm -hmm. And the credit is being given to TikTok users for helping to solve the case. We did it, Reddit. We did it, Reddit. <laughs> I regret that I have but one Reddit gold to give. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... LA's most recent villain, the Tesla Road Rager, has been identified and arrested after committing a string of violent attacks on commuters in various parts of this extremely large city with for a month with no consequences. It's well, very Yeah, as we'll get to, it's like no one could know that these were connected until the videos popped up yeah, online and they're like, Oh yeah, I saw guy. that asshole. So yeah, in case you missed our brief coverage of it a few episodes ago, a man in a tinted up all black Tesla with no license plates was reported and then eventually filmed, cutting off multiple drivers, blocking the flow of traffic, and then getting out of his car with his face covered and threatening and bashing the cars with a metal pipe. And this, these didn't seem to be like related to any actual incidents. They seemed to just be like random targeted attacks. From one of the videos <laughs> I saw, it, it, it appeared as though he was taunting other drivers into like honking or, yeah. or you know goading them into a response. And as soon as they did anything, that was his like mental I guess. thing to be like, all right, they deserve what I'm going to do. And then just went nuts. I mean, clear anger management issues. But uh, I guess it makes sense that the internet actually did help catch this guy because if it weren't for the internet, it would have taken much longer, if it ever happened, to have pieced together that these weren't just random attacks from random people. They were actually being perpetrated by the same angry electric motorist. <laughs> Uh, a week or two ago, dash cam footage of an incident made its way online, and numerous people came forward with their own stories about interacting with the same guy. Uh, then videos and reports went viral on TikTok, thanks to coverage by Tizzy Ent, who started receiving information about the identity of the driver from his viewers. 
Typically a dangerous way to conduct an investigation, but uh, instead of just blasting unverified information to his community, he passed the information along to police, who eventually located and arrested the suspect. So, you know, this time it turned out okay. Yeah, he seems to know what he's doing. Yeah. yeah he, this is not uh, Tizian's first rodeo. Yeah. Uh, here's our local ABC affiliate with more. At least 10 people have come forward saying they've had frightening encounters with the man. In several cases, capturing him on video, smashing the sides of cars with a metal pipe. A suspect linked to those attacks was arrested by California Highway Patrol officers at a car wash in Torrance Sunday afternoon. Initial bail was listed at $5 million. His car, a 2022 Tesla Model X, was seized. A car wash employee spoke with Eyewitness News and said he and his co-workers recognized Radimok immediately. Thankfully, he didn't kill somebody, said a concerned driver. When you have rage issues of that magnitude, it's frightening. After the victim in the two freeway incident came forward, others began detailing their own encounters with the same man. Eventually, people outside of California joined to help investigate via social media. Yeah, apparently uh, this guy was also wanted in New York State as well. It's a nationwide menace. Another thing, so uh, if you don't live in L.A., it's a very big, uh, the L.A. metro area is very large. And the, one of the more interesting things about this was all these incidents happened, like, there was no pattern to him. Like, this guy was just, like, getting around. He was circling, like, like a 300-square-mile <laughs> yeah. area just driving and raging. It's like, yeah, the, if you look at, like, the locations on the map, like, there's no fucking reason anyone would be, just, like, happen to be in all these different locations at random times of the week. Yeah. So, like, what's this guy's job? Why is he just Maybe always DoorDash. On? It could be. I don't know. Paying off that Model X. The fact that he didn't have a license plate on his car this whole fucking time is like another thing. Is like the LAPD is just fucking useless. Yeah, I, I mean, all day, every day, you see that on the roads here. Yeah. It's uh, also just, look, I'm not trying to like <laughs> say, give this guy any credit or anything, but like the drivers in the city are fucking maddening. They are rage inducing. Sometimes, sure, not yeah. good enough to, to get out and bash their cars. This is a great like, place to live if you want to be angry at other cars all the time. Yes, because sure. you're, you're exposed <laughs> to it uh, nonstop and everyone drives like a fucking asshole or is on their phone or is constantly drifting into, into lanes. Yeah. It's insane. I, I, pretty much every day, I almost die in some way on the road. <laughs> we love it here. Anyways, the article, uh, they even give credit in this ABC7 article to Tizian saying that, quote, the influencer said three people came forward with the suspect's name, which he passed along to police. Quote, it was kind of shocking to hear how much had happened, how many incidents, and how many victims there seemed to be. And that just reinforced the fact that this is not okay, he said. This guy needs to get off the street. Tizzy also told his followers Radimak was a career criminal with attacks stretching across the country. In L.A. County, his crimes include criminal threats and stalking dating back more than a decade. What the fuck? <laughs> what? Mr. Policeman, we gave you all the clues. Yeah. Uh, one of the suspect's attacks included punching a woman in the face and leaving her with a black eye in October of 2021. This is another, like, God, the LAPD is fucking worthless. Like, if this guy has a criminal record... Why couldn't they just run his fucking face through one of those databases where they have his mugshot, well, multiple the, fucking mugshots in a database? The, like, the, why did it require a TikToker soliciting tips from people across the country to track down this man driving around with no license plate, beating up other cars with a pipe? Come on! Two things. Because the TikTok investigation embarrassed their own investigation. Yeah. Uh, and also because I guarantee you the only time this guy has been masked in the last three years was when he was committing crimes. He wasn't even masked in all the videos, though. Yeah, no, his, his thing dropped down in one of them, and I think one, he was just barefaced. He's, like, pretty clearly visible in, like, multiple videos. Yeah, okay. And, like, they were able to, like, do the CSI enhance on him, like, to, pretty, uh, to a pretty believable extent, 
Well, luckily, he didn't have a beard and glasses because as, as we've seen in comments on these videos, uh, everyone seems to confuse you with anyone yeah, that has a beard and glasses. Yeah, y'all are face blind. You got face blindness. Yeah. Anyway, let's step away from the real world for a second because we've got some totally inconsequential entertainment news for you. Hooray! Hollywood! Uh-huh. And arguably the biggest news of the week has already happened. James Gunn and Peter Safran have released their official roadmap for the future of DC movies and television, which is sure to spark a healthy, rational, friendly, uh, non-confrontational debate between totally normal, well-adjusted people online. Level-headed exchange of ideas in the marketplace of uh, whatever the term is. Actually, from what I've seen, a lot of his biggest haters have been somewhat won over by this. Yeah, no, it's I think interesting. it's at the very least exciting. Like, yeah, it's always like, oh, nice okay. to have something new. Yeah, yeah, so we will get into the details of what they've got in store and when it's slated to be released. But one big thing that jumped out to us amidst all the announcements of future projects was a quote from James Gunn where he claims that the new Flash movie is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Bold. We're not really sure how that's possible considering the quality of most of the leftover storylines from the whole Snyder era, but it has temporarily sparked our curiosity because how? Yeah. I, but I, I get it. Some of the some of the greatest actors of all time were also the craziest. True, so, that is uh, true. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I and just, we've seen Ezra Miller has the talent. He's got, they've got the juice. Yeah. Despite everything else. Yes. So maybe you're right. Uh, it Maybe it's the director. Uh, maybe, I don't know. It just is a story that I lost interest in. But who Who knows? Prove me wrong, apparently, and according to James Gunn, greatest superhero movie of all time, The Goat? Well, this is all without mentioning, of course, the various crimes that the film's lead actor has been charged with, though uh, they did eventually seek help and are currently reportedly doing much, much better, which is good. That's great news. Yeah, um, listen, I'm all about optimism. Just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that a couple therapy sessions can really fix. But we, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. According to the executives <laughs> at Warner Brothers, who are inclined to say this, uh, working every day on themselves and uh, making very good progress. Okay, Which, great. I again, guess. this would be great. But uh, not that uh, their off-screen issues would have affected the role on screen, but it certainly just adds a hell of a lot of baggage to the project especially with the severity of some of the crimes that they're accused of. It's it's a, yeah, it's it's not just one thing. It was it was a saga. Yes. It, uh, was, it was a criminal saga. Either way, in the Hollywood Reporter article about this new DC slate, they add that, quote, Gun Calls the Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti, probably one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. Oh, it's directed by the guy who did It? Yes, that's what I'm saying, oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, well, okay. Now that's out of the way, let's look at the far-off future of DC from the same article. Superhero movies, forever. Mm -hmm. 100 years, superhero movies, never gonna end. Nope. You get a superhero movie, you get a superhero movie. Okay, so we get a new Batman movie, but... (laughs) God damn, a Batman movie! But it's a new Batman. But without Robert Pattinson, sorry, it features Bruce Wayne's murderous son, Damien. Yeah, that's true. Uh, A Superman movie is on the release schedule, so mark your calendars for July 11th, 2025. A Game of Thrones-style drama set on Wonder Woman's home island of Themyscira. Uh, an animated series already in production called Creature Commandos. Um, that's just part of what will be coming to theaters and TV screens as part of DC Studios' bosses uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran's new slate. And the article then goes on into detail about each of the new projects. And one of the main things that they focus on is the crossover between film and TV roles, meaning they will focus more on 
harmony between the two viewing mediums, and characters from DC TV shows will appear in the same roles in movies and vice versa. That makes sense, right? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a mistake that Marvel like corrected. They're like, uh, we kind of have to work all these in. Well, it, yeah, with Marvel it was weird because everything has taken place within the same universe, but because Netflix. Uh, yeah. distributed the first uh, slate of those. Marvel was like weirdly like passive aggressive about that because like they didn't want to give Netflix too much credit by using their characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the DC thing, like the TV shows have all been running for a long time and been, I would say, more successful and more critically acclaimed than any of the movies at this point. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it would be really smart if uh, these two, uh, you know, Content libraries weren't completely just siphoned off from each other. Yeah, I don't. But what do I know? I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't make movies or TV shows. But here's more from the article, starting with Creature Commandos. Creature Commandos is a seven-episode animated series written by Gunn that is already in production. Originally, a team of classic monsters assembled to fight Nazis. This is a modern take on the concept. Oh hell yeah! Dinosaurs eating Nazis. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Uh, then there's Waller, which is exactly what it sounds like—a spin-off series centered on Amanda Waller. Hey, Peacemaker worked, so. Why not? Uh, there's a Green Lantern series that will be, quote, in the vein of True Detective. What? Uh, Saffron adds that it's terrestrial-based. Okay. It will feature prominent Lantern heroes Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart and is one of the most important shows they have in development. Quote, this plays a really big role in leading into the main story we are telling across film and TV. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. There's The Authority. The Authority, which is described as a movie based on a team of superheroes with rather extreme methods of protecting the planet that first originated in the late 1990s under an influential imprint known as Wildstorm, run by artist and now head of DC Publishing, Jim Lee. Okay. Uh, Paradise Lost, which they describe as Game of Thrones in Themyscira, where Wonder Woman was born. Booster Gold, an HBO Max series based on a unique, lesser-known hero created in 1986. Safran said of the series, it's about a loser from the future who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. Um, Gunn described it as imposter syndrome as a superhero. That's kind of interesting. Uh, a new Supergirl movie that promises to be more hardcore. Whatever that means. Okay. A Swamp Thing horror movie. Okay. And, of course, uh, an endless supply of Batman Batman by the barrel. A different actor in every one. Fuck it. Yeah, Everyone sure. gets to be Batman for 15 minutes. That's what Andy Warhol said. Yeah, mm -hmm. in the future, everyone will be Batman. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. You're getting two completely separate Batman movies, and I'm sure a couple of Batman TV shows. Who knows? And you're probably already aware that one of these is the sequel to the most recent standalone Batman movie directed by Matt Reeves, with Robert Pattinson reprising his role. Hell yeah. But there's also a brand new live-action project in the works called The Brave and the Bold. Quote, this is the introduction of the DCU Batman, said Gunn, of Bruce Wayne, and also introduces our favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, who is a little son of a bitch. The movie will take inspiration from the now classic Batman run written by Grant Morrison that introduced Batman to a son he never knew existed, a murderous tween raised by assassins. It's a very strange father and son story. And oh, they, interesting. Yeah, uh, they confirm that this Batman will not be played by Pattinson, but they don't say... I haven't read... Much of the Grant Morrison Batman run, but from my understanding, I might be wrong about this. It gets like real. There's like magic and like mm. it's like all the Razal Ghoul stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of cool that like the if the Pattinson Batman is like really like you know centered in some degree of reality, mm -hmm. uh, no they should get goofy with it. Yeah, that the other Batman they they get real wild with it. That would be get some Mechus, interesting. Or, wait, not Zemeckis. Uh, who was it that directed the '90s ones? 
uh, Joel Schumacher. Schumacher. Yeah, he's like 90 years old now. Bring him back. He still got one. If uh, what's his name can make Mad Max, then anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, what about Superman? When will DC ever get around to telling Superman story? Well, yes, they've. They're they're gonna do it. They're they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, They confirmed again. Nail in the coffin. Henry Cavill was not cast as Superman. In their upcoming film. They pointed out that uh, they, they didn't fire Henry Cavill, but that he was not cast as Superman. Yeah, big difference. Uh-huh. Um, so this is, it's called Superman Legacy uh, from the article. Superman is the true kickoff for the duo's DCU plans. It's not an origin story, Safran said. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks that kindness is old-fashioned. We're still doing the American way thing with Superman. What is this? I'm sure they're gonna. Su- I, 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 I'm sure like, that the goal is subverting your expectations. I so. would hope so, because yeah. that that has always like bothered the shit out of me. That's some like weird Cold War shit. Yeah. He's he's the the you know the quintessential American because America, as we know, is the good guys. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, a release date of July 11, 2025, has been penciled in for that one. That means it's going to come out in July of 2029. Well, yeah. Once COVID two hits, uh, everything's getting pushed back again. Mm-hmm. So, oh, actually, Elliot, uh, as you're probably aware by now, COVID ends in May. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're ending it in May. Oh good. I was hoping they'd get around to that. The Biden administration, I mean, basically, they're taking away all the COVID era protections and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. They're they're taking away the natural national emergency status, which therefore means that it's over. Well, good, because, I mean, the only people really affected by it now are like just people with like pre-existing conditions who are <laughs> like they're just completely housebound. They can't go anywhere because they'll literally die. So fuck those people. I want to go have fun. Uh-huh. So they should just stop complaining and just die already. I cannot wait for out of context <laughs> internet today, the Twitter account. Please don't take that one. <laughs> don't do that one, please. The, uh, your recent uh, women rant, uh, the, the out of context is becoming too out of context. Yeah. Well, yeah. You just keep serving it up on a silver platter. Yeah. Anyways, let's get to the only entertainment news that matters this week. King of the Hill is officially returning. Whoa! <laughs> Uh, it's returning with Mike Judge and Greg Daniels at the helm, and with its original voice actors, minus Brittany Murphy and Tom Petty, obviously. But look, this is still great news. I, you know, every time they reboot a classic Fox show, it, it isn't as good as it was before. I do have one uh, one burning question about the casting, but I'm sure you'll get to it. Uh... Well, they don't. I don't think they mentioned that specifically. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> here's Deadline with more on this. Judge will reprise his role as Hank Hill, while Kathleen Najemi will uh, be back as his wife Peggy, Stephen Root as Bill, Pamela Adlon as Bobby Hill, Johnny Hardwick as Dale, and Lauren Tom as Min. The reboot has been in the works since 2017's San Francisco Sketchfest, where Judge and Daniels reconnected with the cast and celebrated the 20th anniversary of the old Fox animated show. Okay, so I'm just going to assume that Khan is dead. That's what I would think <laughs> happened, yes. Uh, because like, like from stress or something. Listen, I can never remember that voice actor's name. I'd say he did a great job, but like that, you just can't. You, can't you, do it anymore. You can't play a like exaggerated, heavily accented Asian man as a white man in 2023. Like it's just not going to go over well. The uh, also the joke: Are you Chinese or Japanese? Uh, although in the character, well, no, like in the context of the show, it's yes. like the all the white people in Ireland are fucking ignorant. Yes, and like I don't know. Like I'd say, uh, you know, aside from the the caricature, the <laughs> Some would say racist caricature that uh, the voice actor did. Like, Khan was a cool character. Like, he wasn't a caricature. He was a, 
in a lot of ways smarter than well same with the other like the the others could have very easily become caricatures of like the ignorant redneck i mean they all are to like some degree yeah but they they are fairly well-rounded yeah uh in the context of the show which is great the show is not mean-spirited no in fact it's really fucking wholesome yeah um and has in most ways aged quite well yeah uh, it continues, we are all so excited to welcome back Hank, Peggy, and Bobby and to see what they have to say about the world we live in and continue the conversations we began years ago, said Craig Erwich, president, ABC Entertainment, Hulu and Disney branded television streaming originals in a statement. This show has all of the perfect ingredients to meet this moment in animation at Hulu and we're so thankful to be having those conversations alongside this talented group. Please be good. I wonder if they're going to age any age them up. Yeah, I don't remember if they mentioned like because this has been talked about, you know, since the the Sketchfest in San Francisco. But yeah, I don't know. I would it alter it too much to have the story well, be if, based around Bobby as an adult? If they're going in real time, like literally like twenty five years, would Bobby passed, is so. a middle aged man. Uh, yes, I don't know. Maybe who knows? I just hope it's good. I hope it's uh, poignant. Yeah, and I hope that. Uh, you know, Hank Hill is just the same TV dad that I need there's, in my life. There's so much material for Hank Hill to react to in his uh, stuck-in-his-ways, old-school uh, <sighs> way, you know? I mean, yeah, although the world is different now, and it's... it's. I'm just very interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, if you are starved for beautifully written and animated content... Fuck this shit. <laughs> have no fear. AI is here. And as far as uses for AI go, this one, in my opinion relatively harmless in its current state. It yeah, does, it's, it is harmless. It, it does harken back to the, the good old days of AI, meaning like three or four years ago. And that was when AI was just making nonsensical bullshit that was only funny because it was either deranged or just a random spewing of word vomit. And this latest project takes the various aspects of AI that have been used over the years and combines them into the perfect representation of what this technology is capable of a 24-7, never-ending, computer-generated episode of Seinfeld. And I watched it for quite a while today, and while the absurdity of the animations and the deadpan attempts at at jokes uh, and the often ill-timed laugh track are amusing, uh, the real comedy comes from the only humans actually involved, the Twitch chat. Because the Twitch chat has been reacting earnestly to every scene that plays out, and in some cases, enthusiastically reacting to the dialogue, and in others, just overanalyzing and judging whether or not the scene makes sense or is actually funny. Like They're analyzing jokes and whether they land. But the funnier part is when they, they react to the show as if it's like yeah. really well written in an actual show that's playing on TV. It, it's fun. It's at the very least briefly fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's the best way I would describe it. Yes. Uh, You'll get like, tired of it. but Okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you should just check it out. Get the full scope. Yeah. But we captured a random minute of it just as an example of what you can spend hours mindlessly watching if that's what you're into. Have a look. I just read that there's a new study out that says people don't like talking on the phone anymore. That's crazy. I mean, who still likes talking on the phone? I guess it's just me. I guess so. But who would do a study about that anyway? It sure seems like a waste of time and money. (laughs) and for more information about this pinnacle of ai achievement uh, here's vice's motherboard 
Four pixelated cartoon characters talk to each other about coffee, Amazon deliveries, and veganism as they stand apart in a decorated NYC apartment. There's one woman and three men who seem to be the animated versions of Seinfeld's main characters, Elaine, Jerry, George, and Kramer. But unlike Seinfeld, these characters are set in a modern era NYC, and their voices and bodies look and sound robotic. That's because Nothing Forever is a live streaming show that's almost entirely generated by algorithms. It's been streaming nonstop on Twitch since December 14th. It continues, Skylar Hartle, the co-creator of Nothing Forever, told Motherboard that the show was created as a parody to Seinfeld. Quote, the actual impetus for this was it originally started its life as this weird, very off-center kind of nonsensical, surreal art project, Hartle said. But then we kind of worked over the years to bring it to this new place. And then, of course, generative media and generative AI just kind of took off in a crazy way over the past couple of years. Hartle and his co-creator, Brian Habersberger, used a combination of machine learning, generative algorithms, and cloud services to build the show. Hartle told Motherboard that the dialogue is powered by OpenAI's GPT-3 language model, and that there is very little human moderation of the stream outside of GPT-3's built-in moderation filters. Aside from the artwork and the laugh track you'll hear, everything else is generative, including dialogue, speech, direction, camera cuts, character focus, shot length, scene length, etc., character movement, and music, one of the creators wrote in a Reddit comment. As generative media gets better, we have this notion that at any point you're going to be able to turn on the future equivalent of Netflix and watch a show perpetually, nonstop, as much as you want. You don't just have seven seasons of a show, you have 700 or infinite seasons of a show that has fresh content whenever you want it. And so that became one of our grounding pillars, Hartle said. Our grounding principle was, can we create a show that can generate entertaining content forever? Because that's truly where we see the future emerging towards. Our goal with the next iterations or next shows that we release is to actually trade a show that is like Netflix level quality. Okay. <laughs> this is a very like Okay, buddy. Yeah, it's it's extremely ambitious. This uh, is insulting to me as a human being. Yeah, yeah. What's it that is... what's that uh, uh uh fucking oh god, uh the the old Japanese animator guy. Uh Miyazaki? Yeah, Miyazaki reacting to like AI generated animation. He he said something to that effect. Like this is this is uh deeply offensive to like the human spirit. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and he was he was right. It, it is a it what appears to be an obvious step towards the dystopian future that has been planned out via movies and TV, where just like you're just in a chair and it's feeding you like you're like I w just like in Idiocracy, like I want to see people getting hit in the balls for 24 hours a day. Yeah, I mean to be fair, most uh, most content, especially television these days is literally just synthesizing a bunch of shit that already happened into yeah. something new that's made up of pre-existing parts. So, um, yeah, fuck it. Well, uh, if this is any indication, uh, we still have a long way to go, which is good, right? But the creators, they also add that the dialogue and situations that eventually play out in the show are, at this point, lightly inspired by the active Twitch chat and that they are looking for more ways to include the audience in crafting the narrative. Now, unfortunately, if they're not careful, as we're all aware, things can get pretty extreme pretty quickly. Uh, don't want to <sighs> see Jerry getting racist with it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we have already seen examples of this happening, though they could just blame it on Twitch chat moderation. Well, this is the fault of the Twitch chat. Michael Richards? No, not again. I thought I'd move past <laughs> this. This is the last thing we wanted to happen. <laughs> But yeah, in the meantime, an endless supply of Seinfeld that is so good, you wouldn't know whether or not you're watching the real show. Here's another example. What do you think the weather is going to be like tomorrow? Oh, I don't know.
It could be a sunny day, or we might get some rain. It would be nice if we had a tornado. A tornado. What kind of wish is that? Oh, I don't know. It would be a nice change of pace, that's all. It would be an adventure. We could take a tour of the storm, ride on its back like a bucking bronco. We could even wear matching rain ponchos while we're at it. What do you think, Yvonne? <laughs> this is only interesting because it's AI. And that's like, that's, that's true of basically everything AI has created so far. If this was created by a human, you wouldn't think it was shit. It's like uh, showing your child's artwork to someone and being like, well, yeah. that's impressive because the, yeah, the fact that a child did that, pretty good. Wow, they're talking in uh, complete sentences already? Wow. Uh, and I, I should clarify, like, a lot of this is, like, good on the surface level. It's just, like, there's nothing fucking there. It, like, compared to, like, the work of a, a talented, experienced human being, nothing I've seen from AI comes anywhere even close. You keep saying that, and I keep saying, just wait, because... It's hollow. There's nothing there. Yeah. It's, there's no intent. There's no feeling. And all the people programming this stuff are fucking weirdos just trying to jack off. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. That's uh, the future of AI. And uh, if, you're, if you're still starved for content, don't worry, because we've got a recent episode of Weekly Weird News and a recent episode of News Dump for you. Just, to, just watch it just free. And we did it all ourselves without yeah. the help of AI. Yeah. So watch those and be sure to leave a like. And if you're not subscribed already, what are you doing? Subscribe to the channel. Uh, inspire For more human-generated human content. Human-generated content. That's right. Uh, tech news coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all for now. Thanks for having me. Good night. <laughs>